Hello, friends. Welcome to this week's episode of Living Well While Living Online, which is a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studios. I am so looking forward to sharing these two soul sisters, literally sisters, Joy and Dawn, who together own Bringing Joy, Coaching, Counseling, and Consulting. Uh, My gosh, we could have had 50 podcasts within the one. We have so much that we can go back and explore, but I'm really looking forward to sharing their concepts around a big emotion is a big opportunity. Um the idea of empowerment, and really, how can you just bring more joy into your own life? So you do not want to miss this episode. Settle down, settle in, grab a cuppa, and listen to Living Well While Living Online. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Living Well While Living Online. And I am looking forward to the conversation today. We have soul sisters on the conversation, real life sisters, I will say. I should have invited my own to to come in this as we all know each other. But uh, I have Joy and Dawn from Bringing Joy Counseling, Coaching and Consulting. They are mental health counselors and coaches um, working with people in, our, I'm going to say our local community. So, you know, I'm in Connecticut, so they are local to us, but I'm going to assume the world of virtual leaves no stone unturned that we have wide reaching fingers these days. So I'm excited to have this conversation with people who do this work every day with others. So they're going to absolutely introduce what they do, but also to turn the lens on themselves to see uh, how things get done on the day-to-day. So thank you both for your time and for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Dawn, why don't you introduce yourself first? Um, Because I think you both had like lives before this merging together. So give us a little background, how you got to where you are today and the work that you're doing. Okay, so I will start by saying that as I look back, my journey was pretty authentic. I definitely um, beat to my own drum and followed my own authentic path pretty early on. So I went to college. uh, I went to a few colleges, found myself, (laughs) um, didn't find myself at Southern, didn't really find myself in Florida. So I rerouted back to New Haven. Uh, I went to Gateway Community College back to Southern and um, got a degree in social work. So that was kind of uh, my my first true commitment to my own path. Then I continued on and applied to the New Haven Police Department and became a police officer. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I had no fear. I have no fear. So my, my path was kind of like, okay, I could do this. Wow. Yeah. And um, stayed there until I was raising my family and uh, my husband and I were both police sergeants. So we had to uh, make some decisions about um, make some commitments to the family so that one of us had to leave. So I left and um, again, true to our authentic soul sister journey. When I left the police department, my sister was teaching at Southern And she said, come here, (laughs) come and teach with me. And that's what I did. And that class, which was a comprehensive school health education, that class was um, started the framework for my teaching 
journey. I have been teaching 25 years, mm. so I'm an adjunct. And at, right now I'm at Southern and I'm at Gateway Community College. And I left Quinnipiac. I was at Quinnipiac for a while. I actually yeah. have um, one of my kids who graduated from Quinnipiac. I left to have some more time to devote to our coaching business. So I left University of New Haven, Quinnipiac University, and stayed with Southern and Gateway and uh, work for my sister. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. And how long have you been together now in this, I mean, you know, in this business? Uh, three years. Okay. So right before the pandemic. Right before the pandemic, we launched. Oh my gosh. Okay. And Joy, I'm going to turn it over to you to give your little story. Yes, because Dawn forgot the part where I said to her, let's start a business together. And she was like, nope, I'm good. Going to stay in the <laughs> teaching realm. Um, so just backing up a little bit, I was a, also a teacher for uh, 26 years. And I think during those 26 years, I tried, as did my sister, really hard to focus on content, to focus on curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, but what was always apparent to me was that I literally cared more about my students' mental health, um, their limiting beliefs, their traumas, their thought patterns, than I did about their grades. And teaching in traditional high schools or even, you know, traditional colleges and universities um, where sometimes scores and mm. career choices and what college you're going to go to means more than somebody's mental health. I had this kind of aha moment that said, what if we created an opportunity, more of a safe space for us to focus on what matters most, which to us is you know, not what somebody's doing, but really how they're doing it. Hmm. I love that. And do you have a lot of student clients right now? We do. Um, Dawn and I each have kind of our own little, little niche. Um, we have a lot of, well, I mean, our, our, our ages range from our youngest client is eight and our oldest client, Dawn is 90 what? <gasps> 85. Oh, he's 85. Okay. Oh my God. I love I that. He's in his 90s. He, he could have been in it. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. So before we jump too deep into all of the juicy stuff that I want to circle back to, you were teaching and then you had this thought. Dawn was like, no, we don't need a business. And so what did you do? So I, the first idea I had, the business was going to be called Rent a Sister. <laughs> I love because it. I just, I had, she and I had such um such an amazing relationship. And, you know, I mean, amazing doesn't mean we're the same person. Amazing doesn't mean we see eye to eye. We had a relationship where we were allowed to be our individual selves and we would fight some days like cats and dogs, but we always came back to the same truth, which is we cared more about how we felt and how the other person felt to, um, than to, you know, than to be right, I will say. Um, so we started with the theory of rent a sister. Dawn hated the name. And the more I thought about it, um, though I wanted people to have an opportunity to ask us anything, you know, not everybody was blessed with, with a sister that they were close to. So that was my original premise, but pretty soon into working on kind of the marketing of that, I realized we were a lot more than just kind of a Q and a opportunity. You know, we are people who love to dig deep. We love to hear people's stories. We love to hear people's pain, uh, traumas. So 
using my my name um, became quite apparent at one point, and I was like, "What if we could just teach people how to unleash their joy? And what if we could, when we're in, whether it's a one-on-one session or a group session or a live event, what if we could bring people little sparks of joy?" I love it. <laughs> I and and so. Y- so we, my, my audience knows we pre-talk, right? I pre-talk with all my guests. So Joy and Dawn are women that I know from high school. We all went to high school together. So not related to my spinning world. And many of you have heard all of the people that have come on. And one of them, which I just had this little quick conversation, is um, Natasha. And for those of you who have listened to Natasha's episode, this is just so like uncanny, ironic, like not linked together on purpose, but she speaks to finding pockets of joy throughout her whole uh, podcast. And it's something that just has stuck with me and resonated with me. So I love the whole idea of unleashing your joy, which I think people don't want to allow themselves to be as happy or joyful as they should be. Yeah. And you use the word allow our experiences are also that a lot of people don't even know how to access it. Mm. They forget how to be playful. They forget how to be young. They forget how to be childlike in their state. So it's fun. That process is really fun to help people find the joy inside of them and to look at, of course, look at the blocks and the reasons why it's so hard to to express and experience true joy or true happiness in a peaceful state, not that kind of high happiness that... I think people equate with being happy. Do your clients also, so this is what I see. I find that we are so black and white these days that if we are having trauma or something going wrong in our life, we don't see that we could also have a moment of joy, right? The capacity to have both, that it it's not going to diminish sorrow or grief or anything you're going through. You still have permission to be happy for for whatever time period, right? That both of them exist. Do you see that with your, I see this with my students that I just have conversations with and work with. Do you see that as well with the clients that you are with? I I would say yes. And I would also say that that's kind of what the catalyst for the growth of our, of our company, our business, Mm -hmm. It, it grew so fast because of exactly what you're talking about. We had an opportunity to teach people how to, um, stop and push pause and really uh, think about their pain because that's mm-hmm. what Tori and I, our, our conversations kept going back to why are all of our students in pain? Why are all my college freshmen in so much pain? Why when I ask my freshmen to write a letter, you know, an introduction letter to me because I teach the um, first year seminar course at, at Quinnipiac, why are they all starting their second sentence with, I have social anxiety. I have anxiety. Mm. I have diagnosed anxiety. Um, Why is that? And then Joy being in a high school was seeing the same thing. So we tried in, in our classes, we tried to include assignments. We tried to include opportunities for our students to take a minute and find gratitude because one of the, the, the founding principles of our, our business, our coaching experience, is that the only thing that can really, really drive out pain and fear is gratitude. 
So when you're in a state of gratitude, and like you said, just even if it's for a minute, you cannot be fearful when you are planted in gratitude. So can we maintain gratitude all the time? No, not at all. But we can certainly really find a little bit of comfort in knowing that if you desperately need to feel a little peace in your soul, you can look around really quickly and find something that you are grateful for. And I always say to um, to my students, I always say, you see this Yeti? You see this beautiful Yeti? This is what I'm grateful for because I, for the longest time, I drank cold coffee. <laughs> I said, well, that's what we do. You just you make your cup of coffee and you drink cold coffee. And I mean cold coffee, like it might have been iced coffee at that point. So I am so grateful for this Yeti. And at 12 o'clock, I can take a sip of hot coffee. So it is finding, it's finding gratitude in the really little things. Ugh. And that's yes. also where joy lies. Joy lies in the little, little, little things. I mean... I'm just going to say amen, right? Yeah, right. Preach, girl, right? It's, yeah. And and it sounds like I'm sure you, when you work with your clients too, it sounds like simple and kind of, you know, not, not like profound enough, but it, but it's so, it's so simple in that it really is like taking that step back. I love that you referenced on the pause, which I also work with and um, so important to just push the pause button and take a minute where we're always so rushing to the next thing, but to sit in the moment, to be grateful for your Yeti, which I love. And, and um, the pause piece was really important in policing too. Mm. And the first, um, the, the first important lessons that I learned in the police academy, because so much about police response is around emotion. And right. if you could just, even in the heat of so much intense emotion, if you can slow things down. And I remember some experiences from the academy right through uh, policing where I had to say to myself, slow down. And when you slow down, you can actually see things for what they are instead of see things through the emotional state that you're in. And it's hard to do. And I have to practice that all the time all the time. But the reality is if we can say to students, especially students, and I think, you know, we, we do have to, to be honest about the fact that we are teachers in our souls. Join our, we just, we just want to talk. We want to learn. We're students. We, we're teachers. We just kind of want to roll around ideas. And I think that was the one gift we wanted to give to our clients. We wanted them to be able to understand that the mental health is your responsibility. And that sometimes is scary, but the reality is that's the good news. The good news is your mental health is, is in your own control. And if you think about the pain that you're in and you can actually learn, so it is kind of like a, a like a, a psychoeducational approach, I think that we both take. Um, if you can think about the fact that all of these emotions that you're feeling, and, and right now we just have a society that is very quick to say, I have anxiety. Mm. I will always say to people, so you feel anxious, you feel uncomfortable, and they'll say yes. So the I have anxiety, not to get off on this tangent, because that would be probably for another podcast, but <laughs> true. <laughs> we try to we try to stay um, authentic and stay out of the uh, the the healthcare arena. Yeah. So we're not so much interested in diagnosing people 
as much as we're interested in saying, tell me about that feeling. Tell me about what do you mean when you feel anxious? And they start to tell you this feeling and we can bring it back to the fact that they feel out of control. And there's not a person walking around that if you stop and think to yourself, when you feel the crappiest on your worst day, it's because you're looking at your life and you're saying, I don't, I, I, I feel like I can't control any of this. Right. And that's a scary feeling. So trying to help people just kind of stay in that space and learn from those feelings and then kind of move forward um, a more productive response. Mm, oh my God. I mean, so many things. We could have a thousand podcasts off of all of the juicy things you are alluding to. But I think in my work with students too, something I've observed is when they talk about this anxiety or the stress, it's as if it's something that they alone feel and not the entire world is going to feel like this all the time, every day. Like we all have it. Yeah. It's part of human nature. So, you know, rather than labeling, it's learning to live and navigate. And I'm, you know, I'm sure like the strategies that you are giving your clients and, you know, the tricks and tips, like those are the things that we all need just to survive. It doesn't matter if we have the label or, you know, whatever it is, the diagnosis, we all have it. And also teaching people when you get, you know, I always say a big emotion is a big opportunity because Mm. without emotional pain, without physical pain, we are not stopping or pausing long enough to think and to feel. So we really teach people that when you feel something like anxiety, or you might feel like you're in a depressed state, that's fantastic. So if we can get people to welcome it Mm -hmm. and lean into it versus fear it and run away from it, that's a huge win for people. And sometimes we're sitting in our office and somebody's in a really tricky state and we just say to them, we're just going to sit in this state together because then that central nervous system learns that it's a safe place to go. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's um, interesting too. I think of when I started teaching yoga, for example, and you would get people into a yoga studio for the first time and they actually were just releasing and letting go and not carrying all the stuff and the emotions and how freaked out they were by all of that. But how much we ignore, to your point, like we're afraid of it. Um, we, Our reaction is, I'm just going to move on to the next thing and push that down. And when they take a pause and they let it out, yeah. man, is there a lot to see. Yeah, yeah. We really are. I was just thinking about this yesterday. We're a distracted society. Oh my gosh. You know, when when you're little and you fall down and you scrape your knee, right? Somebody comes over and they're like, you're okay. You're okay. Let's go get an ice cream. Right? Yes. We learn that. And then when we start to not feel okay, what have we learned? Think of all the distractions Mm -hmm. your listeners have learned to use quite well. Food, alcohol, marijuana, Phone, cell phone, <laughs> right? So these are learned behaviors mm-hmm. and they work. That's the thing, Tammy, they work. These yeah. behaviors do distract us from feeling anything less than happy, right? Sad, nervous, rejected. Yeah. Distractions are phenomenal protective factors. They keep people going and going and going, not feeling, 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 but definitely going. And it's I think so we, true. Also, we, we, we also try to help people understand that, um, and, and we're not really looking to blame anything, but we really want people to understand 
and I use my, um, I teach um, sociology. So I kind of use the sociological imagination a lot of times with this. And I say, if so many people are suffering, if so many people are identifying two main emotions, um, that feeling of anxiety and that feeling of sadness, if so many people on an individual basis are feeling like this, then we have to look at the macro reason for why so many people are feeling like this. And, and like Joy said, our society does a really good job of pushing and pushing and pushing. And what Joy and I found is that we had this opportunity to help people to pause and start to build some protective measures mm -hmm. so that they can, they can push back a little bit and they can say, wait a second, this may not be my path. And so many, the bottom line for, for a lot of the people we work with is they really don't even know what their true voice is. Mm -hmm. There's such a big disconnection between who they are and who they think that they should be. And in, in, in between that huge disconnection is all the pain. So our job is to help them to elevate their voice, to hear their voice and go back to their authentic path. So we're, we're like little rerouters. We just, mm. we, we reroute them. And when somebody says to me, and, and I think when you think about a college campus, a college community, the societal pressure to pick a major at 17 years old. Ugh, right. Yeah. And, and I understand it. I understand <laughs> you have majors. Like you have to learn something. You have to be, you know, you, you can't just hike sleeping giant every day at Quinnipiac, but you, to identify a major without learning about yourself, without um, stopping and saying, okay, my soul, okay, so my authentic self feels really good when I'm having these conversations. I, I feel completely di disconnected when I'm having these conversations. So trying to move into that space where they truly feel themselves instead of me saying, oh, um, you, your degree is accounting. Do you, you must really like numbers and, and, and that type of thing. And they say no. And I say, well, why are you in accounting? Well, my dad's an accountant and, um, you know, I really want to go to college to get a really good job and make a lot of money. Right. So we have a huge gap to start to kind of close in a little bit. College is a beautiful opportunity, but it is a wasted opportunity when people cannot make their authentic path. Mm. And I extend, I, that, I extend that out into life. Life is a beautiful opportunity. It is wasted. We are wasting our time if we are not on authentic paths. And, yeah. and people don't even know what that looks like. And I think I was going to ask with your, again, clients, and we're talking more about these younger clients that whole element of what social media has added, where you look at, they, they think, right, there's this projection of what they should be and what they should be doing, and they don't know how to figure out their own thing, but they're always looking at an influencer or something else that's telling them that what they might want in their heart isn't a good enough, good enough thing. And I say in air quotes, right? So do you see that with the people you work, how impacted they are by the social media piece as well? I do like, uh, there's a lot of conversation about the social media and I agree that um, the word should, we'll just, we'll just talk about that for a minute. So anytime you say to yourself, I should, or I mm -hmm. should have, you know that you're going in the wrong direction. So when you say to yourself, I should be doing this, you go too far into the future. And anytime you move into the future, you're going to feel anxious and, and out of control. When you say to yourself, I should have, you know, you're, 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 you know, trying to get the milk back into the carton. 
Correct. You don't go backwards and that makes you feel sad and depressed. So the idea is to try to create that, you know, the power is right in the, in the present moment. What happens with social media is it's a trigger. So right. it doesn't cause the disconnection because the disconnection was caused really, really early on when you were four or five, six years old and you're trying to figure out the world and you're trying to make assessments so that you you can kind of come into the world and enjoy and play and engage. And your assessments a lot of times are um, other people's fear. So when I can remember when my son would be jumping around at a restaurant, I would say, I have three sons, so I'm not going to say the name. So I'm not going to call him out on it. <laughs> no incriminating. <laughs> Sit down. Stop moving around. Stop moving around. And my fear was that I, as the parent, was going to be judged by other people in the restaurant right. because right. I couldn't control my kid. So I put that on him. So the social media thing, I think there's so many people that just truly enjoy social media. It's so exciting. You know, this podcast I was saying before, this the opportunities for storytelling is yeah. so exciting for me. But I think we want to help. Do, if we were going to put the Band-Aid on, we have to try to figure out how to put that Band-Aid on, that inner voice. So then when they watch social media, it's not so triggering. Mm. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Do you have your... Um, younger clients work at all dissect any of that do they have to do no screen time like is do you are, is there work around that or are you just teaching them how to do it in a healthier way i think a lot of times we're debunking myths you know okay. myths that they they've learned from their parents or from their coaches or from teachers or from social media one of the biggest myths i think we spend a lot of time on is that you know success um, how much money you make, how active you are, that's what equals happiness. Mm. And Dawn and I will go to task with anyone about, you know, productivity in our society is really, um, it's rewarded. Mm. We're trying to get people to see that it's actually when you're still, when you're calm, when you're centered, when you're engaging in these types of like courageous conversations, that's success to us. Mm. We're I the disruptors. That. We are the disruptors. Yes. <laughs> you know, we shut the door and we just disrupt everything that they thought they would are, yeah. lead them to a meaningful life. We just disrupt it all. But that's what people need, right? You need to be shaken up a little bit. And it's hard. Like, again, and that's why I think where you are on your career paths and doing this work together is what people need. You know, we all need a coach. I think I, you sent me your amazing description. I have so many things that I wanted to point out, out on here, but you said in here, like we're your coaches, your enthusiastic sideline cheerleaders, right? So really everyone needs a coach when we, when we look at that idea that way. And we do feel so much more alone or isolated or no one will understand me because I'm the only one who feels this. So having an advocate on your side, like this is huge. It's huge yeah. for people. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, it's, this is really about empowerment, whether we're working with a newly divorced um, person or we're working with somebody who is, you know, always thought they'd go to college and now they don't want to, or somebody who's looking at a career change. We empower people to really create and then to live their best lives. But there's this piece that we have to kind of do simultaneously. And that is we have to heal. We have to look at 
reoccurring wounds or reoccurring pains or reoccurring thought patterns. So I love to reference the book, The Secret. Mm, Me too. Like I loved, I used to eat, drink and sleep The Secret. Because The Secret says, right? If your thoughts become your words, become your reality. And I love manifestation. I see myself as a manifestation coach, but there's one piece that's missing from The Secret. And that is we cannot think ourselves into a different state. It's not possible. There's okay. healing that has to go on, right? You can't wake up every day, forget all your past pain, all your past trauma, and just say, I am going to have this amazingly serene life. Because that pain is going to rear its ugly head every so often, and people get confused. Mm-hmm. So what Dawn and I try to do is we try to do this, this work simultaneously. You can be and do and have anything you want. There's a little bit of work to do. Right. So we just gently shine light on some of the reasons they got on the path that they're on. And then we shine even a bigger light on the the path of the journey that they're about to go on. So it's this beautiful, messy path. Yeah. And it's exciting. It's exciting work. And it's so true, as you're saying, you know, we kind of want to wish, wish it away, but the past, the messiness, however messiness is how we ended up where we are today and who we are today. You know, I loved, um, Dawn, when you were talking about your, your time as a police officer and the pause, and I can only imagine applying that in those literal life or death situations and how this, the work, not, you know, not to minimize anybody's suffering or trauma or what they need, but it is so different to do the pause here, you know, when there's no guns and no threat, like it's people in an office and how I'm going to say, okay, like if I could do that, this is, this is easy. Yeah. And that's why I think when you think about, um, you know, putting your, your standing in the shoes of a police officer you know, and expecting them to be able to handle some of the things that they have to handle when I can't even walk in my own house, okay, and see a mess and see the dishes piled up and push pause. I can't even push pause. (laughs) (laughs) For death situation. (laughs) So, you know, I think, you know, that kind of work. And I think too, we, I'm Joy, I'm so glad that you kind of brought us back to that piece because Joy and I argue all the time about, um, manifesting. I don't like that word. It just, okay. it just is so cringy to me, but you know, to each their own. But cringy I, to her, nouveau to the rest of us. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and I part that I, you know, my little person inside would be like, it's not about the manifesting. It's about the serenity prayer. It's about accepting the things that you cannot change and, mm. the, and addressing the things that you can and desperately wanting to have the peace and the wisdom to know the difference. And I know that that is a 12 step um, component, but I always felt like that was a parenting component, that 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 had to be the prayer that parents had to say every day so that they can, they can stay in their own lane and start to look at their own their own trauma, their own um, reactivity. You know, they have something called, um, it's called implicit memories. And the implicit memories are the foundation for why we don't want to just jump in and try to manifest the things because we won't be able to stay present if we're trying to do that. And those implicit memories are the actual time when we were young and we said to ourselves, Um, I'm not okay. 
So if we can't go back and figure out when you said to yourself, I'm not okay, because every single person that's listening to this podcast, every single person out here is, is at some point said to themselves, I'm not okay. There's some, I'm not good enough. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the, one of the examples is experiences that kids have had when they were young and they were bullied and they, they would say to the teacher or they would say to their parents, you know, so-and-so's doing something and everybody would try. And we, we've been trying for years. It's 2022. And I heard something on NPR that said one of the biggest regrets people have is that they bullied other people. So we know that this is an issue that we have to try to figure out. We just haven't done a great job of it, but Joy and I can probably, you know, address that on another podcast. Oh my gosh. We have a lot. We're gonna we're gonna have to re- revisit this few topics for sure. Yeah, <laughs> is just to say to yourself, like, when in my life did I feel like maybe I was to blame for something that I didn't didn't even know what I did wrong, and I started to feel bad about myself because maybe there was something I did to deserve the emotions that I had. So that's the piece that I always like to start with. And then we add the piece where Joy always says to people, that's the story we have to get to. And the way we get to them is when you have all these big emotions, you say, Joy always says, say thank you. Thank you to these emotions because those emotions will lead us right in to that moment that we started to say to ourselves, we're not okay. Yeah. And you know, Tammy, like you're driving down the highway and you hit those little strips on the side of the road, the warning strips. Yeah. Right. And so when you hit the warning strips, you get right back into your lane, right? Yeah, because it's uncomfortable and the, the noise and the vibration. Yes. <laughs> yes, we tell people look for those warning strips. Yeah. Look for those disruptions. They are going to, if you lean into them and you process them, they are going to get you back in that most authentic lane. I love that. I'm just writing that one down. <laughs> I'm taking my lots of notes. <laughs> Um, I love all of this. And we could go on with what you're doing and how you do it with your clients for clearly a very long time. But I'm going to read something else that you sent me from your website. And this is where um, I want to sit for a few minutes. And I'm assuming that you wrote this, Joy, on the website. It says, Dawn and I are not exactly perfectly self-actualized, enlightened human beings. Truthfully, we are just two empathetic people who work tirelessly to coach the brave souls who want to examine their personal narratives. So let's turn the lens on you. So we know when you have your client in front of you, what you say and where you're taking them. And, you know, when we do our job, we're, we're good at our job, right? And our people. So how is it when you turn the lens on yourself? Do you apply the same skills? Do you have the same practices? Have you done all of this work yourself? Like, tell me about your own journey. And I'm going to say more along your own well-being when it comes to all of this. That's, that is such a fabulous question. And I love to remind people that I am not that far ahead of them. I am just a little bit more experienced because I've had some pain in my life. And I was lucky enough to find um, a coach who taught me a lot of the things that I'm now teaching other people. Mm -hmm. So I like to say to people, we really are kind of the guide to the side. We're helping facilitate this beautiful thing called life. Um, Do I do it perfectly? Absolutely not. What I'm trying to do is to do it consciously to look at some of my big emotions, to look at some of my big um, responses. And to like Dawn always says, to stop, pause, 
and then use some of the techniques like connecting with your inner child, uh, reparenting your younger self, just trying each day to be more conscious in what I say, in what I do, and in how I live. And when I tell you that it's work, we call this the work, right? It is work. It is. And there's a lot of days I get envious of all the people out there who don't want to or don't have to do this work because this is exhausting. But I will challenge anybody when I tell you that it is the most meaningful work I have done in my 50, now 53 years. And I've tried a lot of different career paths. So, which is good. Yeah, right. Trying to see. <laughs> what, um, before I move on to Dawn with all of this, what is your like ultimate non-negotiable self-care each day? Like, what do you personally need to do in order to be you and to show up for yourself and others? I think for me, it's not so much my routine of uh, starting and ending my day with meditation, right? When you think self-care, you think it's like this one specific thing. Um, But a lot of times my self-care includes asking other people to help me Uh. or staying home um, or saying no. I love that. That's not easy. the last thing I have to do a lot for self-care is forgive myself. Okay. That's a big one, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Asking for help. I love that you've said all of these, but asking for help is really huge. We tend to think that if we do, that's the sign of our failure, right? That's the sign of I'm not good enough. Um, And we need to do it more because it is absolutely not a failure. It's just, God help me through this, right? Somebody help me through this. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. And saying no, I love all of these. Forgiving. Okay. That's, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to turn it over to you, Dawn. What do you think? So I, I think that um, for me, myself, so like Joy said, we're, we always say to our clients, we're either two steps ahead of you or two steps behind you on any given day. And I think that my self-care, my self-care comes really from presence. I just try to say to myself, head, heart, and feet, just stay present, breathe. I I wish I could say that I had this amazing meditation practice. Um, I I, I really wish I can. I always, that's for 2023. hands for 2023. But mine is I go to bed early. I go to sleep early because I start the day early and I know that I need my sleep. Uh, I take a lot of pictures. I chase the sunrise. I chase the sunset. I am I if I'm in the presence of the sunrise or the sunset, I feel most peaceful. I take a lot of pictures. Fall comes and all the colors and I'm just I'm, I'm chasing the beauty of, um, of that type of experience for myself. And I don't always know why. Yeah. I don't always know why I veered off into the left lane to take a picture of some leaves, but my soul goes there. So I really try to say, what does my soul need? And when I think about my soul, Joy and I have a, we have a few pictures of us when we were little in our office. And I always look at the little the picture. And I actually, a lot of times I find myself looking at Joy's picture more mm-hmm. and I say, what does she need? Cause she was my friend, my first friend. So I think to myself, when I look at us, I kind of think to both of us, what do we need? 
But more importantly than anything, I constantly remember that I have a lot of work to do, so I need to take care of myself. Like I put those two thoughts together, you know, until I can consistently wash dishes for three days in a row without being resentful, I know that I I still have a lot of work to do. And the last thing that I do try to say to myself, and, and, you know, we do have to be honest because we have, between the two of us, we have seven kids. So everybody needs, you know, if we have to be accountable, we have to be accountable for the fact that our kids are walking around Connecticut and they will tell you that we don't always stay in our own lane. So I would say the best self-care that um, we try to do is remind ourselves to stay in our own lane. It's safe there. It's really safe there. <laughs> um, I, I didn't even ask in the beginning, how many years apart are you? 13 One. months. Oh, so you were really close growing up. Yeah. Wow. And, and a lot of times people will question, you know, oh, I'm not, you know, I have a sibling. I'm not that close. And, and it's important to kind of take these titles off of relationships, especially yeah. for women. It doesn't matter who your soul aligns with our souls just happen to align. We, it mm-hmm. just, it just happened to be that when we were plopped on this earth, our souls were meant to journey together, but mm-hmm. the most uh, important self care. And one of the protective measures of kind of living a, a peaceful and present life would be pay attention to your soul. You know, when your soul lights up around somebody else, you know, when it feels really, really easy to be yourself those are your your soulmates. And right. when we say soulmates, we're talking about just playmates. The, those are the people you're supposed to journey life with. And it may not be your sister or your brother or your mother or your father or your cousin or your next door neighbor. It may be somebody else, but honor yourself enough and care about yourself enough to find your soulmates. Yeah. And care about how you feel. That's a, a big message for us because you know what happens when you ask or come from your most authentic space, anything you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and simultaneously, you give permission for other people to come from their most authentic states. And that's, that's I think, ultimately our goal is to create a life where your souls are just delightfully playing with other souls. Did you always know that you were each other's best friends? Like, has it been your whole life or did you grow up as siblings and it wasn't until a certain point you were like, Oh, right. She's, of course she's my best friend. Like, is, have you always had that realization, I guess, or can't live with each other and we couldn't live without each other when we were little. (laughs) So we would fight and we would, we have this one memory. We would go to our grandparents' house together in Philadelphia. And my grandfather, after three hours would say, it's time to go home. You can't come. (laughs) Together. You you two together. And we would say, well, if we're not coming together, we're not going at all. So that's kind of been our 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 mantras. Like right. you know, sometimes we wanna we we don't want to be together because we hold each other accountable for a lot yeah. of stuff, but we we could not do life without each other. It was just that simple. Yeah. I I love this because I think for so many people, family relationships are hard mm-hmm. and oftentimes when there is some turmoil or we're in a disagreement and we're not getting along, there's the tendency to shut them and cut them out of lives where what you're speaking to is it's healthy to have the conversation, to have the butting of heads, to have our own disruptions. And at the end of the day, we're siblings. So we're going to come back together. She's my best friend. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was just luck. You know, we say it all the time. We, we just got lucky. When I read that statement about, you know, we're perfect, we're not perfectly self-actualized. It was one of the things that I really admired looking at your coaching. Um, you know, if someone goes onto your website and looks at, you know, what you deliver and what you do, because it's just, again, you're speaking your own truth. It's not like we're the most amazing people at this and here's how we do it. It's like, Hey, you know, we're, we're sitting right where all of you are. And, and again, that's what this podcast is about. Even people doing the work day to day with other people. And it's your quote unquote job. We all still have our own work to do and it is never easy. Nope. Yeah. Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. I have one last question. We'll pose it to each of you. And I ask, I end all of my um, podcast episodes with this one question. So clearly you have a great grasp of what it means to be friends, best friends, soul sisters, but what does it mean for you to be your own best friend? And how are you at that? I, I think that I love that question. I really love that question because I think that when we can, we can be our own best friends. And I think our own best friends really goes back to reparenting ourselves, mm-hmm. going back every single person. And we have great parents. Bonnie and Ken are lovely, lovely people. You know, we, we, we have no complaints in the parenting sector. Because what we say to people is, well, they didn't know. They didn't get the memo. They were young. I think they were like 22 and 23. How scary is that? You know, when you think about how old your parents were, they're trying to navigate kids. But I would say going back and being my own best friend. So hearing my voice. So when I say things like, ooh, I love watching things on YouTube, but I don't like all those commercials. Being my own best friend says, Dawn, you deserve the premium YouTube. Go ahead, treat yourself. You life is too short. You don't need to watch any commercials. So that kind of thing, like going in, not letting that critical voice say, I'm not worthy enough for anything in this world, and saying I'm worthy of everything that my my soul desires. So I would say that. I love that. Um And it seems, again, like a simple thing or a selfish thing, the idea of treating yourself like, ugh. Um, but it is the deserving and it's seeing your own worth and value. And if that's what brings you happy to not have the the commercials, then um, yeah. yeah. I have to remind myself, I live in abundance. I, I, there, it is not scarcity. This world is not scarcity anymore. Like it's 2022. We live in abundance. So I can... I can take care of myself. I can um, engage in some of the things that maybe I, I would think that I wasn't worthy enough or mm-hmm. I, I couldn't afford. I, there's plenty. So enjoy. Yeah. Beautiful. I think, I think for me, in order to, to be my own best friend, I think it's going to be important for me to honor um, the time that I have with myself. So kind of enjoying my own company um, practicing more compassionate yeah. self-talk. Um, I think what comes to me is if I make friends with my self, I'll probably mm. never be alone. Yeah. yeah. And that's huge, right? We're always so worried about being alone and being lonely and life is about getting your friends and getting a partner, but you know, you are the one relationship that you go through the entirety of your life, right? Other people may come and go for whatever reasons, 
And um, that that is huge when we can realize that. I think Joy and I had to realize too in our relationship that um, being our own best friends looked different for each other because my social battery um, gets drained very easily. So being my own best friend is easy for me. Being by myself is easy for me because that's how my battery drains. Joy is, I mean, Joy, her name is Joy. People love to be with Joy and her social battery um, can be charged in the right social situation. So I think honoring your own social battery is learning how to be your own best friend too. Mm. And great self-care. Yeah. This has been so amazing, honestly. (laughs) I feel like we could talk for hours about all of this. And there definitely have been other little other little threads in here that um, we could spin off, but I know people have clients and work to do. So I'm not going to keep you any longer, but I'm going to say, yeah, what a pleasure it's been to get to share all of this with you and to learn more about the work you do and your philosophies. And I'm so happy that you're out there helping the people. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for that, for the opportunity to wake up on a Friday morning and engage in a, a courageous conversation. We, that's what we yearn for. And for, for people listening, you do do virtual work, right? So if someone is in another state or another country, yeah. there's virtual options for them to connect with you, correct? 100%. We are now, as of yesterday, officially worldwide. Yay! We were worldwide before yesterday. Bolivia. We have a client in Bolivia. That's amazing. You know what? You're right. You're right. Okay. I about that. You're extra worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know because, you know, our, our listeners are from all over. So I uh, just want to make sure that they, they won't have to feel they're deprived of, of your services should they want them. But again, I really appreciate your time of uh, you sharing all that you have with the listeners. And I love that your soul sisters doing this job together because that just resonates with everything that I am. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Tammy. And we say your vibe attracts your tribe. So you are now an official soul sister. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> A huge huge thank you. Honestly, so much gratitude to the Soul Sisters, Joy and Dawn, for sharing all that they did, right, so authentically, their practices, their philosophy, and some of their own juicy tidbits and wisdom. I know there was a lot to get from that episode, and if you are looking for more from the sisters at Bringing Joy, you can find the link to their website in the bio of this podcast. Thank you also to all of you listeners for tuning in. I really appreciate you. And to the podcast studio, thank you for all that you do to make this easy for me. To Renette Chafu, all that you do as our producer. To David DeRoche, the executive producer. And to Scott Holmes for the theme music. Next week, we are traveling across the globe to Amsterdam to meet with Shalana Poindexter and... Again, another fabulous conversation that involved cycling, the love of travel, and finding your peace. You do not want to miss next week's episode. You can find this podcast and more on the platform or app of your choice. 
Feel free to drop us a line at QUPodcasts at QU.edu and give us a follow on Instagram at QUPodcasts. Until next week, my friends, be intentional, breathe deep, and learn to be your own best friend.